What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Knicks Take Podcast, episode nine. I am your host, Josso Focused, alongside French, the co-host. Can we name you something else besides the co-host? Like, can we give you like some real nickname in the playoffs? Maybe right, I gotta, cool. I gotta, you know, do something outstanding in the playoffs. Up, up my game for the podcast to the point where we got a nickname for me. Copy that. Knicks Take Podcast is a weekly podcast where we talk about the biggest Knicks news of the week. Every week we'll be doing that. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at The Knicks Take. You can find us on all streaming platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., etc., etc. All right. It was a... <laughs> Very up and down week for the New York Knicks this week. We we're just gonna we're just gonna start with a high note, which was our first game Sunday, May second, twenty twenty one road trip versus the Houston Rockets. I don't know if that I don't know if that was the start of the road trip. Mm-hmm. Was it? Well, first game of the road trip. Yeah, this at the tone with that game. Tone setter. We had probably the worst team. In the league, Knicks came off of a blowout victory over the Chicago Bulls. So you were right. We blew out the Chicago Bulls in our previous game. We Knicks were attempting to maintain control of the four seed in the East. Mm-hmm. Before that, Kevin Porter Jr. Kevin Porter Jr. became the youngest Rocket player in franchise history to score fifty points in the Rockets' mm-hmm. victory over the Milwaukee Bucks. Rockets were coming off of a double-digit loss, though. To the Golden State Warriors coming into this game. Coming into this game, I was like, damn, I feel like this might be a trap game. You know, Kevin Porter Jr. might be, you know, trying to show out. Houston Rockets just lost. Maybe they're gonna want to try and show that they're not the worst team in the league. And then I look at their injury report. You, did, have you ever looked at the injury report for the Houston Rockets? No, because it's the Houston <laughs> Rockets. <clears throat> Sterling Brown, knee. Denewell House, ankle. John Wall, hamstring tweak, out for the season. Eric Gordon, groin. DJ Augustin, ankle. Dante Exum, calf, out for the season. David Nwaba, wrist, surgery. They got six players, seven, excuse me, seven players who are on the injury report, were on the injury report coming into this game. Which one of those players were we worried about? I would probably be worried about John Wall if he were playing. Why? Maybe. We, cook, we cooked them when they had John Wall playing. Well, I know who John Wall is. I know who Eric Gordon is. I know who Augustine. Like, these are names that are familiar. So I would assume that they're in the rotation if they are healthy. So it's like we playing against, like, G League dudes. And, yeah, like, I. so I was like, all right, there's no reason why we should be having any trouble with this team. And the Knicks, the Knicks started off. For some reason, they started off slow and we were losing early with an 8 0 Rockets run to start the game. Where yeah, I was, they couldn't sustain that though. I was just like, how do you let this team like come out hot against you? I'm used to, we play against bum teams, we come out hot because that's the type of team we got. So I was like, okay, that's not good. But like you said, they couldn't sustain that. RJ started off hitting some threes, everybody else was hitting some threes. Julius Randle. Reggie Bullock, and the Knicks ended up up thirty to twenty one, and that's pretty much the game. <laughs> yeah, took care of business. There's nothing to talk about. Wrapped them up in three quarters. Sent them. I mean, game. it did get a little annoying. The third quarter got a little annoying because Rockets closed it to eleven. Now you hear what I just said. It got annoying because Rockets closed the score to eleven points. Mm-hmm. So that that just goes to show how badly the Knicks were winning. And then Julius Randle decided to turn it on, knock down a bunch of threes, and all of mm-hmm. a sudden, Knicks went back up 81-64. to 64. The moment of the game that I had for this game was a dribble-drive move that Julius had at the end of the third. I wish I could pull it up. Maybe we can do it for the video podcast. But mm-hmm. Julius had a, ju- a dribble-drive. I was like, Julius, don't, don't do that. <laughs> you got to save something for the playoffs. It made me screw up my face. I was like, ooh. And yeah, 
that was the end of the game with you know end of the third quarter. Knicks brought out a bunch of bring, brought out the end of their bench midway through the fourth, and this was never a game. Anything you remember from that game that was memorable at all? No, that like the these type of games. There's nothing to talk about. We just did everything that we knew that we we were capable of doing, and we took care of business. Packed up this team that's playing for the lottery, already eliminated from playoffs. So <clears throat> nothing really. No, no statements for me. <laughs> <laughs> the only other note that I had from this game was that apparently the uh, R.J. Barrett off the dribble three might be a thing because he pulled it out in this game, and uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. So we we whipped their ass. So you I don't, it. I don't I liked even... it a lot. <laughs> More now. Uh, I don't even okay. remember what the final score was. I don't remember what the final score was for that game, was but I know it was twenty-two to ninety-seven. There was a lot to a little. Yeah. Next game: New York Knicks versus the Memphis Grizzlies. Monday, May third, twenty twenty-one. Knicks were coming in looking to continue the win streak. Came into that mm-hmm. game having won the last two games. Grizzlies were coming off of a loss Three. to the... Uh, we beat the Bulls, and then we beat the Rockets. Oh, yeah, you're right. My bad. Two. My bad. Don't cut, Don't try out. to correct me, sir. <laughs> don't try to correct me. You were wrong. They were coming into this looking to continue their win streak, having won their last two games. Grizzlies were coming off of a loss to the lowly Orlando Magic. Probably was trying to come in with something to prove because they are also in the middle of this playoff run. You got to work on that. Nerlens Noel was out in this game after spraining his, spraining his ankle against the Houston Rockets. I don't believe the Grizzlies had anybody on their injury report. And you, you got anything you got to say about this game? This was another. This was a, one of, one of those games where I watched it twice, and even after watching it twice, it's, I really don't have a sense of how to feel about it. I like this game. We took the coach out of his element. We took the star player out of the element. Had them barking at the referees and getting tossed out the game in the fourth quarter because we was beating on them too bad and they didn't like the calls that they was getting at home. That was just another good win for us that I didn't really expect coming. I thought it was going to be a way more competitive game going into the fourth quarter. Mm. And it was kind of competitive in the fourth. Yeah, it was competitive until the lead got out of hand. Like They never really threatened us, I felt like, that game. Well, I was never worried. We was playing out our pace since the first quarter. The, the Knicks once again started off going slow as the Grizzlies went up to a, went off to a six zero start to start the game. Sounds like a trend because it happened. I feel like I said that. Did I say that? Yeah, I did say that for the last game. Knicks started off slow, found a way to score by just being more active, running and passing with defense on its heels, and then Knicks took the lead. As you started, it was never really a game. They took the lead. Memphis Grizzlies started making it close, as I indicated. Mm-hmm. The Knicks were hitting their threes in the second and third quarters, but it came down to the fourth quarter, and as Grizzlies started trying to chip away, chip away, chip away, the Knicks started making them frustrated, got them out of their element, made them kind of give up on this game when they really could have played harder and maybe made it a little bit more tougher for us, but... They got out of they got in their emotions and John Morant got ejected and the coach their coach got ejected and at that point the game was over. It was there was still like two, three minutes left in the game, but yeah, yeah I don't even have enough. I don't even have like they proved like why they were the eighth seed in the West, but you could see at the same time why they're the eighth seed in the West rather right. than a higher seed. Yeah, they're they're they they're a talented team. They were a tough team, but they're not on the next level. I don't even have a moment of the game for this game because I feel like the moment of the game was when they when got Ja ejected. got ejected and, and RJ was waving. Yeah, and, and it was like <laughs> RJ was clapping. He was like, "Yeah, he's yeah, clapping. Get him out of here." That that was my matchup to watch in this game too. John Morant versus RJ Barrett. I said in the earlier podcast that yeah, these two are going to be battling. Is going to be those are the matchups to watch. RJ versus Zion. RJ versus Ja. Mm-hmm. Ja versus Zion because those are the top three. And and during the draft, it was like these are the three. These are the three top players to get. So it's gonna. It's always going to be interesting to watch these matchups to see who who ends up getting the best of it. And RJ definitely got the best of this matchup. In this game, 
Yeah, RJ was having fun out there. Yeah, he was. Having a blast out there, knocking down threes, showing mm-hmm. all, showing John Morant why, like, he should have been the second overall pick or the first overall pick over him. Because John Morant went two for 14 this game. Yeah, I mean, RJ and even Julius Randle, they both didn't shoot great, but from mm-hmm. three they did. They RJ and Randle combined for a 14 for 35 shooting, which is trash. But they hit their threes on a very good at a good very good rate. The best player in this game was obviously Derrick Rose, who yeah, it seems like every game he's one of he's either the best player when RJ and Randall are are playing off, or he's second or third best behind them. Yeah, and it was a homecoming for him. Yes, so he went to college in Memphis with John Calipari. Went to the championship game, won the championship, I believe. Right? That I don't know. And then he got taken away because he cheated on his SATs or something. <laughs> I know a lot of Derrick Rose facts. Don't ask me why. I know why he wore 25 on the Knicks. That's your new favorite? Who, D-Rose? Yeah. D-Rose is my favorite player before he came to the Knicks the first time. So I only have two notes on this game. <laughs> One of them is about D-Rose, where I said that uh, Knicks seem to be struggling to put this team away. Rose and Pell come in, and instantly the Knicks go on a run. Not going to say why that was one of my notes. And the other note that I had about this game was that I, I, that I miss when Emmanuel Quickly's floaters used to be automatic. Were automatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm tired of seeing him miss open layups, though. Yeah, I, I used to feel like it was automatic, and now I'm like, am I bugging? Was it, did it used to be automatic, or did I dream that shit? Because he can't He started to... off the season taking a lot of floaters, and he wasn't making them, and then he... I remember the game in Boston is where he went crazy, making floater after floater, and then he went on a little hot streak, and then he went cold again, and he's never had that same hot streak since. So I think he was just hot in the beginning of the season, and he it wasn't sustainable. Maybe he could get it back up to that clip for the playoffs, but I, I've only seen a hot streak once this season, so I don't think it's automatic at all. All right, so that was the – which game was that? The Memphis Grizzlies game. Yeah, the Grizzlies. And so we're moving on. We're going to move right along over to Wednesday, May 5th, 2021. Knicks at the Denver Nuggets. Knicks trying to extend their win streak from three to four after winning their previous three games. But the Denver Nuggets were the fourth best team in the Western Conference at the time. And they also have the MVP, MVP front runner, Mikola. Jokic, aka not, the Joker. You can't even say front runner at this point. He's the MVP. He deserves it. He got it. It's <laughs> yeah, wrapped up. It is wrapped up. Uh, another thing that I was like, oh well, hopefully this goes the way that I wanted to go. Knicks have not beaten the Denver Nuggets at home in Denver since 2006. I was like, well, that's terrible. If, if there's a team that could end that streak, it's this one, right? Right. Nah. Right? <laughs> no? it's that team. Not with that player. Any other year? Yeah. My matchups to watching this game was Nerlens versus Joker. <laughs> that was a matchup to watch. And Reggie Bullock versus Michael Porter Jr. And the reason why was because I looked at the starting lineup for the Denver Nuggets. I was like, how are we supposed to match up with these dudes? You can't. It was too big for us, and it the showed only, immediately. The only dude I was like that really matches up is Julius. Like Julius could match up with the four or the five, but no side. Who else? Who else? Like I'm like who? Who's RJ Garden? He ended up he getting three up quick fouls. No, no, no. In the first ten seconds of the game, he picked up two fouls, and then he picked up the third in like the next four minutes. Yeah, it was a bad game. That's one of those games. That Nerlens Noel forget. picked up three fouls in the first quarter too. I was like, "Damn, Nerlens getting fouled three is fouling three times." Who's how? What? Yeah, I don't know how these guys are supposed to match up. Everybody is big. Everybody is a matchup nightmare in terms of size. But I still felt like it's just that this is not a team that Knicks have seen before. There's no other team really in the league that really. Gives them that much trouble. Trouble when it comes to that. It, I didn't realize how big this team was because they got bigger without Murray. Yeah, Murray going down let them go 
big, like how they were trying to do in the bubble last year with Bobo being the center, and I think Jokic was the point guard or something like that. They was doing some while in the bubble, and they was just experimenting with like if they wanted to really go big on everybody, but and, and they don't have any of the downfalls of going big because everybody on the team could shoot and play make and defend. It's like, bro, give me a sec because I'm blanking on this dude's name. Who? Aaron Gordon. Is that who I'm thinking of? On yeah, that they just picked up. Yes, they had him at the small forward spot. They had him at the small forward. That boy, he's the, he's the that one that always picked forward. up the fouls on. Yeah, he's a power forward. Yep. I was like, I looked at the lineup. Compazzo, who is it's a sizable point guard, not a spot, not a sizable point guard. Teammate got, of teammate of the guy we just picked up, Luca Vildozo. But yes, sir. Michael Porter Jr. How tall is Michael Porter Jr.? He's like six, six eight, six ten. Mm-hmm. He's the shooting guard. Aaron Gordon. He's the small forward. Paul Millsap, mm-hmm. power forward. Nikola Jokic, center. So I'm like, who? How are we supposed to? How are we supposed to match up? Now I was idea. in, the, I was in one of these forums, and dudes was like, yeah, Rose and Elford should be able to bully Compazzo, and that didn't happen. And even if they did bully him, it's like, okay, you got one matchup. That's yeah. two, three, four, and five. You getting bullied, and not the four actually, because I don't think Julius really got b- bullied too much in this game. But he didn't show up either. I, I don't feel like RJ Jules. definitely. RJ didn't get a chance to show out because he got early fouls, and then when he finally got to play at the end, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. He was hitting all his threes, but we were already down twenty, thirty points by that time. This was this it was, was the <laughs> bad start. The bad start it, killed it, us, and it was every bad quarter start. after that. First quarter, we outscored the Nuggets, and it was just we we started off so bad that it was just too much to overcome. The men- momentum was so far in Denver's court that even when the Knicks picked up momentum, it really didn't matter because yeah. all it took was like one or two plays from Denver, and yeah. it's like it doesn't matter. We're still a down twenty. It's hard to come back when you're playing down from down 25, 26, 27, 28 points. So even if you string along an eight point game, an eight point run. You, you only down to 20, you're still down 20 or 18 points or 17 points. Knicks brought it down to, what, 15, I think, at one point, 14. And that was as close as they got. I was demoralized after that first quarter. I did not have any, like, me and Jaya was watching the game. That's my girlfriend for y'all that don't know. We watched the game. She don't even like sports. Jaya doesn't watch sports. She doesn't watch anything like that. But I got her watching the Knicks this season. I'm trying to convert her into a fan. Shout out to Jaya. You're... And anyway, so we watching the game. First quarter, we we were on six points for at least four or five minutes. I'm like, bro, I'm thinking like we're gonna get the, we're gonna turn it back on, get this lead back down. But then the lead just was would never stop growing. I'm thinking like, are we not gonna play defense in this first quarter? Like, what's going on? Jokic is scoring all the points. It's Nobody's hard, gonna man. double him. It's and hard. I understand he's the passer too, but like I'd rather let everybody else kill me in the first quarter than Jokic. So you didn't see that. When they were doubling him, he was just taking advantage. It was either a wide-open dude at the three-point line or somebody cutting with an open lane. Every time, like, if if Joker wasn't making the shot, because he was bullying whoever he had on him, too. He was bullying bullying Nerlens, and he was bullying Taj. And Taj was putting a better fight against him than Nerlens, but there's there's nothing that we could have done except maybe have Mitch guard him. And I don't think Mitch would have had great success either, but I think it I don't think I don't think we would have gotten down as much as we did with Mitch on the court. And that's kind of why I'm I'm like, you know, maybe it's easy to say that now that Mitch ain't playing, but maybe that's I don't know. I don't, I don't know what Mitch could have done differently. I don't think that there's anything Mitch could have done differently, but I know it's that Mitch small. is a bigger it, Mitch is a bigger body than Nerlens. Nerlens six ten, six eleven. Mitch is is a good seven footer, and even though they weigh about the same, his wingspan is much more much bigger than Nerlens. So he doesn't have to jump, but he can jump. It's I don't think he could have held down Joker, but I don't think that we I don't think it would have been as easy. Like no, I just don't think it would have been so easy. I think we would have single covered him, and whatever Joker did, Joker did. If we would have had to help out, we would have had to help out. But Nerlens just can't talk about it like it was just a Joker. Like that, it Joker wasn't happened just, in the first half. Yeah, but second he made half it, we was getting cooked by Austin Rivers. Yeah, but that's and because Composo. that's because 
when you have the momentum and you have and we'll, this is going to be a, this is going to be something that we see in the next game too but when you have that momentum and you have the ball is in your favor the, the game is in your favor everything is looking great everything is looking great everybody's just hitting everybody feels good you don't feel pressured you don't feel you start knocking down shots Austin Rivers was playing good for us too except when we needed him to step up and then he wasn't you know, Austin Rivers had a good, a good game or two with us when we were up, but when we were down and we needed somebody to step up, he didn't. He's not Derrick Rose. Right. Derrick Rose is that guy who is going to be the same way no matter what. Like, mm-hmm. It's just that he can't. He can only give you so much, and we saw that in this game. He's only going to be able to give you twenty to twenty-eight points reliably. You can't expect him to do thirty, forty, fifty the way that. We need Randall to do in some games the way that sometimes you would think R.J. Barrett, you got a shot to get 30, 40 points, let, give him the ball. Derrick Rose is going to give you what, you, what he's going to give you, and that's why he's in that top three for the Knicks. But he's, he's in terms of our most important players, he's number three. Derrick Rose is our best player this game, but towards the, in the second half, even he, couldn't, he didn't have nothing left. He gave, it all, he gave it all up in the first half, in the first three quarters. So... I don't know. There's nothing really to say about this game. This, 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 I, there's no momentum. There's no play of the game. This game was over from the end of the first quarter, and it saddens me to say that because I didn't give up on this team at the end of the first. I yeah, said this I team watching, is. They went on runs and stuff, but I said so this team is enough. good enough. This team is good enough that I just because they're down twenty doesn't mean that I should give up. And I saw them figuring it out. I saw them figuring out how to adjust to this team. But when you're down 25, 28, it's tough. It's tough. And this is another game where the Knicks started off extremely slow. Pattern. Next game. Yesterday, for us, two days ago, for the, those of you listening on day one, New York Knicks at the Phoenix Suns on May 7th, Friday, 2021, at Phoenix Suns. Knicks coming off that blowout to the Denver Nuggets. Phoenix Suns were also coming off of a loss to the Atlanta Hawks. I was surprised. I was shocked by that. They got blown out by the Hawks. I looked at the box score. I was like, yo, why Chris Paul couldn't put up that stat line against us? Like, bro, why is Chris Paul always doing that to New York, but he can't do it against the Hawks? I think it's just and that's this, supposed to be an MVP runner up. I think it's because we, we bring out different emotions than the Hawks. I don't know how. I have to watch. I would want to watch that game, actually, to see what happened there, but. It seems like the Knicks bring out that emotion out of Chris Paul for one reason or another, whether it be whoever's guarding him or he doesn't like something or he's able to get. Maybe it's because he sees Julius Randle getting all ah, ah, which I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit upset by. Like, play. Stop showing your emotion and get crying for fouls and shit. But yeah. whatever it is that the Knicks do, Chris Paul feeds off of it, and he did it again this, in our second matchup. The Hawks lost, though. Coming into this game, because I want to still talk about coming into the game, the Hawks lost to the Pacers, which the Knicks could have maintained the two-loss advantage that they had over Atlanta with a win over the Phoenix Suns. That's what, that, bro, that's what pisses me off. The Hawks could beat the Suns by 20 points and then lose to Indiana Pacers, who were below 500. And... Suns can blow us out, <laughs> which is what happened like, in this game. Bro, it's like they got the Suns mad just to take the anger out on us. Probably. I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a wash. I had this when I was doing last week, I was talking about the upcoming games and how I had all of these teams finishing. I had three teams finishing 40 and 32. And it's not looking like we're going to have three teams that are going to be 40 and 32 because Boston keeps losing. I don't see Miami picking up enough wins. So now it's just going to be between now it's going to be between New York and Atlanta. Yeah, I hope Well, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say right now. I shouldn't say now because they, anything could happen. Anything could happen. Boston could still catch up, Miami could still catch up, but the way that it's looking, the Knicks can't fall lower than sixth because Miami and Boston still play each other. But I still want the fourth seed. I don't want to, I don't want to fall to five. I want home court advantage. The Knicks play better at home than away. The Knicks need every advantage they can get because as we've seen, and we might talk about later, depending on how you feel French, 
the Knicks ain't an elite team. The Knicks can't beat any team unless they're clicking on all cylinders and they have all of their most important players. They won't be able oh. to lose. The Knicks came into this game missing Mitchell Robinson, Alec Burks, Emmanuel Quickly, and now we can officially say Luca Vildoza. Two to maybe three of those players are going to be vital for us in the playoffs. Do you disagree? Do you agree? Yeah. Everybody except Luca Vildoza. Right. And I don't even know if we can say except because we don't know how good he is. But Vildoza's not playing the season anyway. We're going we're gonna to come back to why I'm saying that. So Mitchell Robinson, Alec Burks, and Manuel Quickly could, if they all play in this game, this game probably goes different for all we know. We don't know that, but would we be surprised if we play this game with those three guys and the Knicks win? No, we don't. We're not surprised because I don't think this game is the same as the, Den- as the Denver Nuggets game, except in the fact that we once again started off slow. That's the only similarity that these two games had. The Knicks came back second, third quarter, took the lead over the Phoenix Suns, maintained the lead over the Phoenix Suns. And then at a certain point, at the end of the third quarter, the Knicks just seemed to slowly lose grip of the rope. Yeah. And RJ had a bad sequence in the third quarter where he would come down. He came down and missed the open three. No, no, no. I'm talking about the end of the third quarter that started Mm -hmm. the whole run that changed the game and basically gave Suns gave the Suns the energy to close us out for the fourth quarter. RJ had missed a wide open three and then it leaked out. Got, who was it? Dylan? No, no, no. It was Michael Porter on the outlet. Tried to go up on the fast break. Missed. Hit. His teammate recovered. Put it back. RJ it. gets the ball. Inbounds it. Turns it over and then they score another two points. And then everybody... With point eight seconds... With 0.8 seconds left in the quarter, mind you. Not, it's not even that it was, oh, we had, they had a 0.8 seconds left, and you just lay, you just throw a lazy pass. And I think he had, I think he also had Derrick Rose open to the right. If you just look to the right, he could have passed it to Derrick Rose. Even if you do a bounce pass and they get it, that's not enough time for them to put the ball up and score. Instead, he made a more difficult pass that got intercepted. And made it easier for them to score four points in two seconds. Yeah. And that, and then in the fourth quarter, to open the fourth quarter, as soon as they come back from the break, all is Crowder knocking down the corner three, which he had started doing in the previous quarter, which is, it wasn't just that, that those last two points in the third, those last two field goals in the third quarter by the Suns. You, you could see the Suns building up their momentum before that. And the Knicks did nothing to stop their momentum from increasing. So by the time the fourth quarter starts, it's a fever pitch. They're already they're already well into their offensive rhythm. So now you can't even stop them. You can't stop the you can't stop the momentum. You can't stop everything that good that they're doing. And you're trying to figure out what it is that you're doing, and you can't because everyone's bricking. You have no momentum. You're relying on the three at a certain point. You're relying on the three for certain point for at a certain point because now they're up nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen points, and you the, you're in the fourth quarter. You don't have you don't have the time to let the Suns do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Julius Randle disappeared. R.J. Barrett, I thought he had an okay game. It wasn't a great game, but he was hitting his threes. He went to the foul line a few times. I, he finished a couple of layups. He. He needs to. He really does need to work on his finishing, because he was missing a few. Lay, he keeps missing these shots at the rim, which he wasn't doing earlier, and now he's missing those. Now he's doing harder layups, and he's missing them. Yeah. But RJ Barrett finished eight for twenty-two. He finished eight for twenty-two, but you went five for eleven from three. Yeah. He went. He was hot in the first half, or when that. What, what was the hot streak in the first half? Right when he had four threes. He was hitting threes half. in the. He was hitting threes in the second half too. He hit three. He hit three he threes in the third quarter. More. He hit three threes in the third quarter, from what I remember. Yes, he started missing. I think he was missing throughout threes throughout the whole game because there was a point in when in the third quarter where RJ I felt like he couldn't miss in third. And maybe we can get back. Maybe I'll watch it again tonight or whatever. But most of his misses were not from three. He was almost at fifty percent from three. Right. So if you're almost you're missing, he had. So he went 5 for 11 from 3. That means he went 3 for 11 from the 2, from 2 points. So 
That's not good. That's not good. Julius Randle, statistically, 8 for 16, 24 points. He was missing from three. He went to the line nine times and hit seven. He disappeared on us, bro. He disappeared. He had a couple of good shots in the second half, but he was nowhere to be found. And once again, I can't figure out why. Was Craig? Because when Aiton was on him in the first half, it was like, oh, it's not Aiton's not stopping him. But I don't. Shot just wasn't falling. It's like, well, he was 8 for 16, so I can't say the shot wasn't falling. Sorry, I'm mad tired. But it just, like, the momentum, once it went to Phoenix, it, the, the, the entire game just changed. We weren't playing the same with the same intensity that we did when we had the momentum. When Derrick Rose hit that three and he was talking to the I can't even sun. accept that. I can't even accept that, bro. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that as an excuse. I'm saying that that's what happened. I know that's what happened, but I can't. But I can't even accept that, that that's what happened. Because you came into this game talking about we should have won the last one. We're coming in here. We got this game circled on our calendar. Yeah, but the this, Suns are a better is, team than us. I don't care. I don't care. And the reason why I don't care is because in two games you've shown that you can keep up with the Phoenix Suns. In two games you have shown that this Phoenix Suns ain't that much better than you. They're not. No. They're not. They, they, they have Chris they Paul. They have Chris Paul. They have Devin Booker, and both of them have shown that, yes, they are better than anybody else on this team. But I don't feel like the rest of that team is better than the rest of this team. And the fact that the Suns went up early and the Knicks were able to wrest control from the Phoenix Suns, and then it felt to me, watching in both of these games, that the Knicks, it wasn't just that the Phoenix Suns took the game. It was that the Knicks let them take the game. Yeah, Chris yes. Paul just kept feeding DeAndre Ayton for wide-open dunks the entire, like, fourth quarter. And it was a lot was of defensive breakdowns that it's like, this is not the team that let yeah. these defensive breakdowns happen before. It's not just right. the Phoenix Suns are doing what they're supposed to do. Cool. But if they're doing what they're supposed to do and they're scoring while you're defending the way that you normally defend, I, all right, cool. We lost to a better team. Y'all let go of the rope. You let go of the rope. Plain and simple. I don't. If this is a game that you have circled, your defense should be... On point, no excuses. I don't care who's on. I don't care who you're missing. I don't care. Quickly's out. I don't care. Burks is out. I don't care. I don't. Frank Nilakina played 15 minutes in this game, and he, he seemed to be scared the, me. Why? With his misses? Yeah, he's just been playing real te- like way worse on offense than what I remember him. Well, being I, we, able we to can do. we can talk about him after this game, and and we forgot a story before this one, but we'll talk about it after too. But Frank Nilakina seemed to be the only dude who defensively came out like this is a game that they needed to win. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, for everybody is like, oh, that's nothing. But everybody should have been matching his energy. That's how I feel. Everybody should have been matching his energy defensively. He seemed to be the only guard out there who was making Chris Paul think. And even though Chris Paul burned him a couple times and a couple other dudes mm-hmm. burned him a couple times, mm-hmm. Frank played defensively the way that the whole team should have. And did it. Right. Is there somebody on the Phoenix Suns that let me look at let me look at their lineup. Craig. How Bridges, Aiden. No. Aiden. Aiden my Aiden is six eleven, two hundred and fifty pounds. He's got thirty on him, but that's not Nerland's Nerland's is not keeping up with Aiden. Come on now. I didn't say he should. I'm not saying he should, but I was not impressed with Nerland's. I'm just gonna say it. I was not impressed with Nerland's performance. I was not imp- impressed that, once again, he played the Phoenix Suns and he had zero steals, zero blocks when that's what he's known for. And I meant to say in the Denver game that he, that, that game shows that steals and blocks don't mean everything, right? In the Denver Nuggets game, Nerlens Noel, two steals, six blocks, mattered absolutely none because he was a non-factor. In this game, I felt like Nerlens Noel was a non-factor. And that's fair. It's maybe it's not fair because he's he was in he foul is, trouble early. It doesn't matter that he was in foul trouble early. He was it in matters. foul trouble. He was in foul trouble early in the Denver Nuggets game, and he still had steals and blocks. But he couldn't get steals and blocks against the Phoenix Suns. You just said that mattered none. You know, it doesn't. It didn't matter none in that Denver Nuggets game. The steals and the blocks does do matter, right? Ultimately, they do, especially the steals. Like I said before, steals is automatic turnover. It matters. Blocks, not really. 
In the Denver Nuggets game, he had, in one sequence, he had two blocks in the same play. The Nuggets got the ball back and shot a three. So he got two blocks on the play where the other team scored a three-pointer. That's what I mean by the blocks don't really matter. But in most games, Nerlens Noel's defense does make a little bit of a difference. But you know that has a lot to do with Chris Paul, right? Yeah, it does. But that, my, I'm not saying that this game is on Nerlens. I'm just saying that Nerlens' part in the role in this game I don't think I think it goes without saying that the person that I place the most blame on, whether it's fair or not, is not Nerlens Noel. But I have to give it to everybody. I already gave it to RJ. I already gave it to Julius. Reggie Bullock is another non-factor in this game to me. Nerlens Noel is the other so. one. Reggie Bullock had a nice little spurt, but in the second half he was nowhere. He was missing all his threes too. I don't I don't recall him being a factor in he this was game. giving Devin Booker trouble all game. I feel like he's the one of the few guys that did their job. Devin Booker finished this game three for twelve. You remember how he was lighting us up last game? True. I all feel right. like he did so his may, job. So maybe he's I'm being too. Some threes. Maybe he he only knocked in the down first two half threes. at least. Yeah. He only knocked down two threes. He went two for eight from three. Reggie Bullock, three for eleven overall, for twelve points. Okay, so maybe I'm being a little unfair to Reggie because Reggie. It's not our consistent, like, sometimes he misses three, sometimes he's not. But as long as he's being good on defense, all right. I felt like he got burned a little bit too much in this game. I feel like he was invisible in this game to me, but maybe it's because I was trying to pay more attention to the guard spot because Chris Paul was there and who was guarding Chris Paul and how we would fare. And I'm just going to transition because we, listeners, you guys already could tell, we lost this game. We lost this game. 128 to 105. That's a 23-point loss in a game that we were leading seconds before the third quarter ended. Every single one of these games, you know what the consistent factor in in these games was, French? What is it? It's the same thing that I said when we started each and every game. We started slow. We started slow in the two games that we blew the other team out. And we started slow in the two games that we got blown out. And I don't understand how you could see how we start slow in these in every single one of these games this week. In every one of these games, the games that we needed. And in two of the games that we won, if we weren't leading when Derrick Rose came in, we were leading when he when we were leading when he left the court. If the game was close when Derrick Rose came in in those two wins, it was for damn sure. We would we have control if we weren't blowing him out already when he came off the court. I don't know how, and it's too late now, too late in the season to make all these changes. But when we play against these good teams, you cannot afford to have the slow starts that we've had. We it's it's not one person's fault, obviously, but it seems to me that the team as a whole does not function as well when one player in specific is on the court as opposed to when another player in specifics on the court. It, this is going to be a problem. There's going to be a problem in the playoffs when we play against the best of the best. There's going to be a problem when we are playing against, say we get past the Atlantic Hawks. Brooklyn looks like they're going to have at least two guys healthy. Well, to be fair, Brooklyn would probably face Miami in the first round this year. Well, they're going to be third seed, it's looking like. But it's nice to hope that they'll go back to the first seed so we can play them in two. Well, okay. One seed is gonna look is looking like it's gonna be Philly. No, I'm talking about in the first round. No, in the first round it would be if, if New York beats. right now it would be Brooklyn because that they're, they're at the third seed and it would be it'd be Brooklyn Miami. Miami. Yeah, it would be Milwaukee versus Boston if they remain the seven seed, mm-hmm. and it would be Philly versus Charlotte if they remain the eight seed. Which I don't. I I feel like. Washington, Washington might end up being might end up being the A seed when it's all said and done. And if Washington beats Milwaukee, oh no, not Milwaukee. It's Philly, right? It would be Philly. Milwaukee. Yeah, um, yeah, Washington's yeah. not being Philly. Washington's not being Philly. Yeah. It would be Boston versus Milwaukee, and Boston, I think, could beat Milwaukee. Mm-mm. Not nope. this year. Okay. Maybe because Tatum's hot and Kemba's starting to get a rhythm. Uh, that's what I mean. Like I'm not saying that they will. I'm just saying that I think they can. But either way, if New York gets past the first round, they're going to play Philly. Can we play Philly down six, down eight, down 10 to start the first quarter? I don't think so. I don't think if you're coming out the gate down that many points against a team that's as good as that in the second round. If Philly's healthy. 
you can't even if they're not healthy. I don't think I don't think you I don't think that you can. I don't think that you can afford to let them get that kind of advantage because well, Embiid, if, if Embiid is hurt, I feel like Philly's a team that we wouldn't be afraid to match up with in the, in the playoffs if we got Mitch back. I think if we got Mitch back, we wouldn't be afraid if Embiid is, is playing too. But I don't think I'm saying I don't think I don't think this team is afraid of any team. And I think if they have Mitch, that is doubly so. So I'm not saying that they think that they're going to win. I just don't think that they're afraid of Philly if they have Mitch. I think if they have, if they don't have Mitch, it's going to be like, damn, we need Mitch to play because he matches. I, he's going to do what he can against Embiid, and it's going to be much better than we have Nerlens. I don't think Nerlens can hold Embiid at all. It's going to be Taj, but Taj can't do it by himself. And I don't think Taj is going to do a great job either. Mitch is going to be the best option for us against Embiid. So. That's what I mean. I agree. If you have Mitch and you starting off and you think, okay, yeah, all right, I think we match up well, and you start off going down eight, you just can't. You can't. You can't do that. There shouldn't be any reason for it. There's no reason why every single one of these games this week we started off coming from behind. Whether we're the better team, whether the worst team, whether we match up well, whether we don't match up well, I don't see a reason why we start off slow. I can blame one person. I'm not going to name him. But it's just, it's just too much stuff there that's pissing me off, and I want it to be rectified, and it doesn't look like it will be. I would love to see it rectified in the playoffs, but I feel like we're going to have to be playing from behind in order for that to happen, and then if that's the case, I, it's going to be too late. Cause I think in the playoffs, we're going to see players step it up to another level. I think we will too, but I don't think it's going to matter because our detriments are our detriments. And there's certain there's certain things there's certain things with certain players that is not going to change. I think you it's going to change for a game. I know what our detriments are. Our Should detriments we? our detriments are that we have we have a guy in our starting lineup who has a poor has a poor assist rate who can't shoot from three. Yeah, is not particularly great. Who's not particularly great in the paint. Is lauded as a defender, but isn't really a great defender either. And he's who we start the game with, and that's all I really—that's all I'm really pointing out here. With so, all well, that I, being issues that he has in his game, we're still a top five defensive—I mean, a top five shooting team, top five defensive team in the one. Yeah, that but he like lacks the other starters make up for. The, the other starters make up for the bench makes up for yeah and and it helps that when every game his minutes seem to be getting smaller and smaller and smaller yeah because we're gonna but and that's strong. an ad, that's an admission of what is wrong with the starting lineup mm-hmm. it's an admission that he don't finish games so if you're cutting his minutes and you're not letting him finish why the hell is he starting to fill the minutes in that the other guys can't play you want the guys to come off the bench and provide a spark and. Either build a lead or help us catch up to the other team. But that's what... to start, you can't play D-Rose a certain amount of minutes. Because if you start him, he's going to have to play a lot. Well, what happened last night? What happened last night is we lost to Chris Paul. Chris Paul Paul matched up against who? Don't answer that. Matched up against Chris Paul, Chris Paul, Chris Paul, Chris Paul started getting... He was getting buckets on him too? Yes. What I mean to say is when the sun started going on... Sorry, quiet down. When the sun started, when the stars, sun started going on, started feeling like they could get back in this and they started feeling like they could take this, he was on the court. And then by the time he came off the court, it was too late. Almost every single game this week, I said, damn, I don't want to see him come back out in the second half. But you know what? I know he's going to. When I'm on these forums and I'm hearing seeing dudes say, Tibbs better not put him back out in the third quarter. He's going to. He's going to start. He's gonna start. It's not, he's going. He's gonna. He's gonna start in the third quarter when we come back from the half, like clockwork. It doesn't matter what he did. It doesn't matter how bad he was. It doesn't matter if he's the only dude who's making this team look bad, and everybody else is making this team look great. The two things that are guaranteed is that he's gonna start in the first, and he's gonna start in the third, regardless of anything else, regardless of if we winning, regardless of whether we losing regardless of whether he's good for the team, regardless of whether he's bad for the team. And that's infuriating because I, there's enough evidence for you to stop doing that. 
I don't care if you start him in the first quarter anymore, if we all get off to a hole. Because as we saw in, in last night's game, this team is good enough to regain that lead if they have enough time to do it with their bench. But you put him back out there so that we can have to go fight out of a hole again? No, that's not good. Tibbs is a good coach, but you can't make the same mistake. You got to do something. You got to be creative. Start Rose. You got Frank playing because Alec Burks and IQ is out. Do what you got to do because you still don't have, now you definitely don't have enough scoring coming off the bench with, with those two out. So what are you saving at this point? Rose is the better point guard. Yeah, but point blank period. Out, who's gonna come in? We there's no scoring point. When he comes out. when when he before he comes out, who's there? <laughs> like what do you like what are we saying? What are we saying? It's does it's not making a difference. The only thing that the only thing that we know for a fact is that one guy is making it way more difficult for the rest of his team every time he's on the court. He's not helping us. He's not. And Maybe our time would have been better spent seeing if we could get somebody else to play those minutes and be confident when they come out as opposed to asking them to come out three months later after getting regular minutes. Now we want you to play 15 minutes and start hitting shots again. I didn't expect Frank to come out playing great. I didn't. I said if Frank plays and he's going to get good minutes, I know he's going to be trash because that's what, that's what always happens with Frank. Unless he's starting the season, getting that time, He's not going to just automatically show up and look good. He's not that type of player. If he hasn't been getting consistent minutes up until then, you throw him in, he's going to look trash. That's how Frank always has been. When Frank is getting regular minutes, he's more likely to give you good minutes offensively than not. Is he still going to have clunkers? Absolutely. He's not, he's not one of the better offensive players on this team. But I know for damn sure if you throw him out after three months and he's com- he's comfortable being a bench warmer, now you want him to come in and be a contributor, he needs time. I'm sorry. That's the way it is. Hopefully he takes Alfred's role. He's not going to. I don't next year I'm talking about. I don't know if he's gonna be here next year. And I'd love to see I'd love to see us give him an extension, but I don't it's so hard to see. It's so hard to see him coming back. It's so hard to see him being a regular rotation player on this team. They would have traded him if they wasn't going to. I think him. that too. They had an opportunity to. I, I, I don't see how it makes. Him. I don't see how it makes sense. I don't see. I don't see how it makes sense that they bring him back. I see him. I see him signing somewhere else, if anything, or them trading him somewhere else. I see. That means that somebody else can give him a contract, and the Knicks have the option to match Wait, it. Is he restricted? Oh, let's, let's look, look that up. up. But anyway. The other thing that I wanted to talk about while I'm waiting for you to look that up, I was listening to the KFS pod today, mm-hmm. and they were talking about this book slash podcast from Bill Simmons. And they were talking about, is it the secret of basketball? Now I got to listen to it again. But basically, they were talking about how the secret to winning games in the NBA, the secret to winning basketball, the secret to, to everything when it comes to basketball is that it's not about basketball it's not about having all this kind of talent and all that stuff it's about everything else that surrounds it the reason they were talking or it was a locker room so the fan who was talking about it was basically saying that the knicks this season exemplify the secret of basketball because of the culture because of the camaraderie because of the willingness to put the team first as opposed to yourself first and I was like, yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. And I, it, it led to me thinking about the other podcast. Last week I was talking about Shattered with Chuck D. I, I listened to four or five episodes. It's still not done. We still got another three to go, I believe. I was listening to the podcast. And in every episode, it gave the preview in the form of what the Knicks did wrong previously to what they did right this season. Talked about Carmelo not being willing to give up the bag by forcing the trade and forcing the Knicks to give up everything in order to get him. Mm -hmm. Knicks didn't do that with this team. They waited to sign somebody. It burned them. But you know what? They signed somebody else, and that somebody else was Julius Randle. There's a lot of – there was a couple of episodes where 
there was friction between the coach and the general manager, the general manager and the owner, the owner and team president. We don't have that. Everything on this team is lockstep from team president to general manager to coach to the point guard. I was just spent a lot of time trashing on point guard, but like I said in the last podcast, our point guard is part of the reason why we're so good. If he wasn't part of that meeting with Julius Randle, we wouldn't be as good as we are. So as much as he's been a detriment to this team, the fact that him, Derek Rose, are lockstep with Tom Thibodeau is why this team is playing so well this year. Yeah. Lockstep. When the last time the Knicks been in lockstep with everybody? They talked about the Jeremy Lin insanity. And Steve Novak was saying how it was about more than basketball, which is which links to the, what I was hearing today. Every, everybody, it was about the team. It was about what they could do together. It wasn't about any one person. And you hear these players talk about each other. And you hear Julius Randle, who was April's Eastern Conference Player of the Month, which was the news oh, thing that we were going to talk about. And one thing he said was that this is a team award. Team award. Mm-hmm. This team's special, man. It's stuff like that this that team. makes me not afraid to offer him the max. Because I'm sure he would probably give some money back to make sure that we could get some talent on the team first. Oh, you didn't see that in on Twitter, I see. See what? So the Knicks and Julius Randle intend to have discussions this offseason. Uh, I'd rather wait till the offseason to start paying that type of stuff noise. That type of noise is any attention because anytime we ever, ever hear about what someone intends to do for free agency, it always turns out different when it actually starts. So I'll wait till July 1st. I understand and I agree with that kind of thinking. But does that sound like does that sound like something that they just put for Twitter? Or does that sound like something that you could see this team doing and Julius Randle doing? Both. It's, the Knicks, the Knicks stuff doesn't leak out of our front office. Like things that are actually going on within this front office, we don't ever hear about it. Ever. We always hear from the, the reporters that we trust and stuff, and they just tell us what they're hearing. But we were hearing so many things going into this season that didn't turn out to be facts. So I'll wait to see just what happens because this team is. Real, real silent with their actions and their moves. They, they don't let anybody know what was going on. Well, I don't think it. I don't think for this it really matters whether people know or not because they have Julius Randle under contract for next season, no matter what. Yeah. He only doesn't get that money next season if the Knicks decide to waive him before the season, which is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, does it hurt for people to know that the Knicks are hoping to extend his contract? In the offseason? Can anybody stop that, really? No. I want to so, say that for the end of the offseason. I want to lock up some guys who are talented before we resign Jules. Julius is a guy that is talented that we can lock up. Like, you got to make Julius feel like, Julius got to feel like this team's special. Julius got to feel like this is something he wants to come back to because from every interview and everything, all the things that he's doing, every accolade that he's gotten, the the meeting that set this all up with Leon Rose, World Wide West, Kenny Payne, all of them. There's just something bigger than what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Something bigger. So you got to believe that as long as this magic continues, that everybody on this team is going to buy in. Except for Alfred Payton, which I think this is the first time that I've mentioned his name tonight. Man, I'm rooting for Alfred Payton. I want to see him do good so that we can get him in this playoff run. I think that I think Alfred Payton and I think everybody on this Knicks team thinks that it's going to be best for everybody involved if Alfred Payton is not on his team next year. Well, that, we already know that's going to happen. So, well, I, let me not say we know. We're all hopeful that that's going to happen. It's going to happen because it's it's too much evidence, visually, statistically, factually, that he can't come back. Um, he could, unless he improves. They're not going to give him that opportunity. Even if he shows out in the playoffs, I don't think that that's going to be enough. Because I think that. that I think that they I think that they can they think that they can find somebody who is just as capable, if not more capable, of showing out as Alfred Payton. And if you 
If the Knicks end up five seed, they're going to want to be four, three seed next year. Alfred Payton didn't show enough in season, so you got to upgrade there. Because where else are you going to upgrade? Who else are you getting rid of to upgrade this team? If you're bringing this team back, the main area, there's two areas that this team can upgrade. Starting point guard and backup power forward. And they're not going to, they're not going to, they're not going to remove the backup power forward. They're just going to bolster it. That's what I believe. They're going to have somebody else who can fill those minutes alongside Obi. So where else are you going to, are you going to, oh, the two, the two guard, instead of having Reggie or RJ, you push RJ to the three, you keep RJ at the two, whichever one, whichever one you want to do. You can either move the two, from greater two, or you could get a three, however you view RJ. But the fact that the, that RJ can fill both, it makes point guard the more clear choice. I don't see Alfred coming back, even if he plays well this offseason, in the postseason. So, did you ever <laughs> did you ever <laughs> find that information about Frank? Yeah, I said that he's restricted this summer. He is restricted. Yeah. Yeah, I I would love to see us bring him back, but they had traded him away if they wasn't going to bring him back. That's what I believe, because they had opportunities to get him to get rid of him for some second round picks. I don't think they want to get rid of him. I don't. But I also. And no if, team is going to give him a massive contract that we're afraid to match. It depends on the number. I think that there is a number that's not that high that they say, yeah, he's not worth that. We, we can, Where? We can, I, I think if, they, if he gets nine mil from somewhere, which is not a lot of money, nine mil a year, I think the Knicks walk away. Who's giving him that? I don't know. Nobody. But, but <laughs> if somebody's... If somebody says, yo, nine mil here, we're, we're going we're gonna to take a flyer on you for the season. I don't think the Knicks are matching that. I don't see the team that's going to do that, though. It's too early to predict, sir. But you're talking about a guy who shot. I mean, let me look up his stats before I say, but he's already known as a very good defender. No? Elite defender. I don't know if he's known as an elite defender, but he is known as, at the very least as a very good defender. Mm-hmm. He has definitely improved his three-point percentage, his shooting from the three-point this season. He is at 45%, and that's after bricking threes in the last few games he's played. 45% from three this year. If you think that he could sustain that, and you think that he's a defensive player, and you think that the only thing that is holding him back this year is the fact that he hasn't been getting minutes, averaging 10 minutes a, a, a game, which is half of what he's averaged, Every year before, if you want to take a flyer, why wouldn't you? If you have the money to spend. That's tying up your cap. It's only tying up your cap if the Knicks don't match. No, if they do match. If the Knicks match. Because now you can't, you making, you have to pause on other moves because now you dedicated nine million your cap space. And there's not that many teams that have a lot of cap space this summer. Yeah, but teams be spending money like it's nothing. They just need. They just want to get over the. They just want to get over the floor. They just want to. They just want to get slightly over the salary cap. Like you don't have to make it make sense now. I'm just saying that there is a reality out there where somebody might say, "All right, he's three and D. He's improved from three every year. He's getting ten minutes a game, but he's shooting forty five percent from three, and he's a good defender. He's played good defense on one on some of the best point guards in the league. Take a flyer on him for nine mil just for one season. We'll see. Just saying." I would love to see Frank come back, and I'd love to see him improve on this team. I'd love to see him be a regular rotation player on this team. But I, with IQ in front of him, with D. Rose in front of him, and then I'm sure they're going to get another guard in, to play starting point and maybe even starting two. I don't see, I don't see a place for, for Frank on this team that's going to be beneficial for Frank's career, and that's how I feel about that. Let's move on to the upcoming games because I don't think that there's any other news that we missed. We did. We already talked about Julius. We mentioned Julius Randle being Eastern Conference Player of the Month. Well deserved. Well deserved. Well deserved. Tibbs should have been oh. Coach of the Year. I mean, Coach of the Month. Luca Vildoza. You want to talk about his contract? Shortly, because this vaccine is kicking my ass. <laughs> Go ahead. You got it up. Vildoza's contract. He signed a. Four year. I don't have it up, but I do know it's a four year, what, $13 million contract? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, my phone about to die. I'll look it up Give for me you, bro. Give me one second. Yeah, look it up for me. Back like I yes. 
Yes, so Luca Vildoza signed, agreed in principle to a four-year, $13.6 million deal with the New York Knicks, which means he technically hasn't signed it. He just agreed. But it, it's a done dizzy. Which the last three years are non-guaranteed. Correct. Basically gave him an NFL contract. Correct. So we've already spoke on Luca Vildoza's game last podcast, I believe. But this season is guaranteed, which just basically gets the Knicks over the floor. I could tell you what to expect from Vildoza. This is a the Knicks couldn't have offered him unless they had the room that they had this season. This is a move that no other team in the league could really offer him this kind of contract because of how the Knicks manage their cap space and manage their roster. So everybody was just waiting for him to come into free agency in the offseason, and the Knicks just beat them all to it. Yeah. Masterful, masterful front office management. Masterful. Praise to Brock Aller. So now the Knicks get the first look at him before anybody else, and he's a player. Whew. No, he's definitely a player. And I, I think he's definitely a player, too. He's definitely more worthy of starting point guard minutes than our starting point guard. But, Everything I've heard about him so far is that he's a pesky defender. He's a mm-hmm. shooter. Mm-hmm. He's an elite pick-and-roll guard. Makes great passes. Pablo Prigioni 2.0. Like, that's music 2.0. to my ears. That's the music to my ears. Like, we get another Prigioni? Well, I heard he's not Prigioni 2.0. He is a less savvy but more offensive-oriented Prigioni, which sounds good to me. He can be sneaky. He can get those mm-hmm. steals, but he's not as sneaky as Prigioni. But he is a – I don't think I consider Prigioni a three-level scorer, even though I know he could hit the three and he could do the pull-up jumper and all that stuff. But Luka Vildosa got- definitely – Definitely looks a lot smoother on the court than Prigioni. I shouldn't say smoother, but definitely looks like he's a bigger threat on the court offensively than Prigioni was. Go ahead. And we got Prigioni when he was like 32 years old. He was older this than dude that. Is, I think he was 35. Yeah, this dude is 25 years old. Yep. yep so so. If, we, if this if this contract pans out, we basically just added somebody else to the young core who's going to con- help us contribute in the playoffs. And- mm-hmm. It's just crazy. It's basically mm-hmm. like we just got a free draft pick. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I hope that he's good enough to be a starter on this cheap because this contract is – it's if he outplays this contract, boy, let me tell you, this is a team with a lot of good players, a lot of young players on very good contracts because I think RJ is outplaying his car tra- contract. If Luca can, Luca can outplay his contract, and Julius Randle is already playing, outplaying his contract. Mitch is making like one million dollars a year, or two million dollars a year, which he's going to make more next season. But even still, I think this injury, if it keeps him out of the playoffs, it's going to, it's he's going to outplay his contract. The next contract he gets, Manuel quickly is outplaying his contract. Derrick Rose is a cheap contract, and they think he's going to get another cheap contract next season. This is going to be a team that can add really good pieces or superstar players easily. And I'm just, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. All right. You got anything? To plug? No, because I didn't even go into the games yet. No, I don't got nothing. Let's get into the games and let's get out of here. Sunday, May 9th, Knicks at Los Angeles Clippers. It's tomorrow. When this, when this podcast When this releases. Let's skip ahead. Tuesday, May 11th, Knicks at the Los Angeles Lakers. I think we have a better shot of winning that game than we have. Count it. That's ours. Thursday, May 13th, Spurs at the New York Knicks. Count it. That's ours. And the next, the following two games, we might, have to do, we might have to do a double pod in terms of we might have to do two in like three days. Okay. But those are going to be the last two games of this of the season. Saturday, May fifteenth, Hornets at the Knicks. The game time is to be determined. So we will either talk about it in the next podcast, or we'll be talking about it in the following podcast, the pre-play-in slash playoff podcast, depending on mm-hmm. where the Knicks finish. If the Knicks end up being in the play-ins, then we're going to try and sneak another pod in. If the Knicks end up just being in the playoffs straight up. 
then we'll hold off until the following weekend because in the, there's not going to be any games outside of those two, assuming that the Saturday game is late. I'm not saying nothing. I don't want to jinx it. Copy. I, I got the Knicks winning against the Hornets and the Spurs, mm-hmm. and I need them to win against the Lakers to make that Celtics game unimportant. Well, we should be Boston, too. I want us to be Boston because that would just guarantee the uh, four seed, I think, because we could lose – we could lose against the Clippers, but if we win the rest, we'll be four seed no matter what. Mm-hmm. So, all right, you got anything to plug? Get better, Yaka. Get healthy and stop playing all the time. Yeah, Yaka. So, thank you for coming to visit. Thank you for bringing my aunt Cheryl. Shout out to Auntie Cheryl. Shout out to Auntie Cheryl, cousin Chanel. Wish I could have seen you today, but I understand. See you next time, or I'll see you in Georgia. I got nothing to plug, so until next time, holla at you later. That intro music was Broadway Boo by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at The Knicks Take. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening. That intro music was Broadway Boo by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at The Knicks Take. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening.